You can compare what each gospel writer wrote about Jesus and his ministry in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January. It's titled, Jesus, A Study of the Words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Browse before you buy at issuesetc.org or call Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040. Jesus, A Study on the Words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, costs fourteen ninety nine. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January, Jesus, A Study on the Words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's time to go through some of our listeners' email and the Issues Etc. comment line. That email address is talkback at issuesetc.org and the Issues Etc. listener comment line 618-223-8382. We like to hear from our listeners all the time, especially our beloved on-demand listeners. They often have questions, criticisms, They want to join the conversation, add something, or ask for some clarification. That's why we have the email address, talkback at issuesetc.org, and the comment line, 618-223-8382. I planned on beginning with a conversation about an evening spent with the right Reverend Father Heath Curtis, frequent guest on this show. Very good guest, by the way. Yes, and director of LCMS Stewardship, but... I fear that I might bear false testimony against my neighbor, so I won't tell anybody about last night spent with Pastor I, Heath Curtis. I will tell them. So Jeff went because he had time on his hands. His kids were at basketball practice at a rather distant town. He would go to a, a little what do you a little bar? It's a called grill. the Prairie Inn in Prairie Town, Illinois. So he'd go there, and he often invites his his gaggle of friends. Jeff is a very social person. He runs in kind of elite circles. So he often invites his gaggle of friends to show up and have a beer with him while he's waiting for his son's basketball practice to let out so he can go pick them up. It's just not worth the drive back home. And uh, last night he happened to, the only people who would bite on his invitation were Pastor Heath Curtis, who insisted that they, that he have access to a pool table for some reason. And uh, one of the teachers at, a, at yeah, Mr. Girth, who's a uh, the upper grade teacher at St. Paul Lutheran School in Hamill, Illinois, the only classical Lutheran school in Greater St. Louis, by the way. So, if anybody knows Jeff Schwartz, you know that he is a very gregarious guy. He loves to socialize and schmooze and press the flesh and all those metaphors for just shooting the bull with people. So he showed up ready to do all that, but apparently. Uh, Pastor Curtis takes pool, billiards, I believe, might be the better term, very seriously. He has his own pool cue. I, I'm, I know I'm going to butcher the terminology for all the paraphernalia here, but it even has its own little case. And uh, He I, looked he ta- like uh, Tom Cruise in the movie of Paul Newman, The Hustler. Yeah. Didn't play that well, though. <laughs> so uh, I guess that uh, Pastor Curtis was so engrossed in his his game of pool that he really wasn't giving Jeff the time of day. And in addition to that, Pastor Curtis had purchased several uh, bingo cards because there was a bingo game going on at the same time. This is the Midwest folks. So this is Americana. This is the people CNN makes fun of. So he had uh, purchased some bingo cards. And in addition to basically snubbing Jeff told Jeff that he wanted Jeff 
to play his bingo cards for him. And I did. And he did while ignoring Jeff all along. And uh, But Jeff got the last laugh because when when the tab came due, which was not considerable, it was less than $10, and Jeff went to pay, he was informed that this establishment did not take plastic for a purchase under $10. And uh, so Jeff had no cash on him. He was willing to even buy the bar a round of drinks just to get out of there to make the tab a little higher so that they would take his plastic. But uh, I think just about that time... What happened? Uh, Pastor Curtis was... I called Pastor Curtis back in. Pastor Curtis said, came back cash? in. And he had cash, so he stuck Pastor Curtis with the tab. And that will teach him not to ignore Jeff Schwartz in a social setting and make him play bingo. Did I get the story pretty, pretty that, close? That was, that was pretty good. Yeah. That was pretty good. I listen. You know, you, you could have been a little more descriptive about the, the people in the bars yeah, and, and things I, like I, that. I, and, I didn't do it with... Uh, when I heard the story this afternoon, I heard it with uh, it was kind of yelled at me and the entire office here in a very, very enthusiastic manner. So, well, at least Mr. Girth talked to me a little more than Pastor Curtis. He takes his pool quite seriously, but as good as it was to have him pick up the tab, I saw him actually lose a couple of games of pool. So, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> so, lesson to be learned if you ever have the opportunity to spend a, some social time with the right Reverend Father Heath Curtis. In the words of the, the late Nancy Reagan, just say no. And he might be a better guest on issues, et cetera, than he is a billiards player. Or maybe it was just a bad night. Who knows? <laughs> right. All right. Let's get to some email. Mark in Minnesota. Something I've been meaning to ask for some years, but forgot to. Why does Todd periodically use the words darn and heck in his conversations with guests? He did this recently during an interview on the Mandalorian review with Pastor Ted Geese. I understand from dictionaries that darn and heck are swear words for damn and hell. So why does Todd use these words on the air? Or if Todd decides to use swear words, why not just use the actual words instead of the cloaked ones? Thanks for the feedback, Mark in Minnesota. Well, I think uh, the use of language is dictated by usage and not necessarily by the etymology of the words. And while I'm willing to concede that darn and heck are or had been at one time kind of euphemisms for the the swear words that he talked about in his email, I think that at least in terms of usage, Merriam-Webster notwithstanding, they have taken on a life of their own that is no longer euphemistic. They stand on their own now. It's not as though those words, you know, this was popular back in the 80s when Christians realized that there were words that they were using, like sheesh, that stood it, that had at one time stood in for the t- taking the Lord's name in vain. And it became all the rage among the moralistic in the 1980s to say, you can't use those because it's just the same as taking the Lord's name in vain. Well, words have a life of their own, and eventually they break their connections with their origins and float free on their own. I think the same is true of darn and heck. At least that's there's there is no magical connection between those words after some period of time when that connection is no longer used. So there are a lot of words that we use that etymologically go in directions that they don't mean the things we think they mean. If you look at where they come from, 
but they mean what they mean in common parlance because usage governs the definitions of these words. I'm not making excuse for it. I'm just saying my conscience is entirely clear using the words darn and heck, as I did in my interview with Pastor Ted Geese. I think I used heck there with reference to baby Yoda. This is without a doubt the number one listener email of 2020. Joseph writes, Hi there, I had a question. Are LCMS Lutherans constitutionalists or cessationists? Thank you for Continu- your brevity. Continuationists? Con- contin- Con- continuationalists. Continuate, con- yeah, whatever, what you said. <laughs> All right. Or are we cessationists? Thanks. Thanks for your brevity, Joseph. Jeff likes brevity. He's asking whether or not LCMS Lutherans believe that the gifts of the Spirit described in the book of Acts, in particular, it's really about tongues. That's, that's what this whole debate is really about. Whether those gifts continue to the church today, as they did in the apostolic era, or whether or not they have ceased, that cessationist. So do they continue or do they cease? I don't think the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has a position on that officially. For all intents and purposes, we are cessationists, though, because we believe that those signs were given at that time for the in the apostolic era in order to confirm the ministry and the word of the apostles themselves, just as Jesus' miracles were done in order to confirm his ministry and his word. And with the death of the apostles, and especially with the testimony of those apostles, as we find in the New Testament, the need for a confirmation, a divine confirmation of their apostleship and of their the word that they spoke is no longer necessary. I think that's a safe way to describe what most Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Lutherans believe about those things. Is this to say that God could not give the gift of tongues? Not at all. Of course he could. Is this to say that the other uh, sign gifts that appear in the book of Acts cannot be done today? Of course they could, but we just simply do not see them. And we certainly do not make them a requirement as a sign of faith, as do charismatics and Pentecostals. The difference between a Pentecostal and a charismatic is a Pentecostal says you got to speak in tongues at least once to prove you have the Holy Spirit, but you may not ever speak them again. And a charismatic believes that you need to speak in tongues all the time in order to somehow get something from God. They've turned tongues into essentially a sacrament or a means of grace. And both of those things are errors. If we understand why those gifts were given to the apostles and to those who heard the apostles, in other words, for the same reason that the signs of the miracles were given through Jesus Christ to confirm his word and his work, then it makes perfect sense that when the apostles are gone and we are left with their testimony, that is Holy Scripture in the New Testament, then there's no longer a need to confirm the apostolic office. It ceases to exist with the death of the last apostle. And there's no longer a need to confirm their work any longer because they're not around. This was a way that the Holy Spirit demonstrated to everyone who would hear and see the apostles that they were literally carrying on the ministry of Jesus Christ And that office is unique to them and does not continue to this day. And it should surprise us, not at all, that 
there, there have arisen from these errors that you know we must speak in tongues, that we must have these things as they did in the, the book of Acts, things like the new apostolic reformation that says we also have to have apostles too and prophets and all those things. Those things were for their time. And now we have the word of God in Holy Scripture, the testimony of the apostles and the evangelists given us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That is where we direct our attention. And that is what we look to for confirmation of the truth or the falsehood of any teaching or practice. When we come back, a little more listener email and the issues, etc. comment line. You can meet and hear Mark and Molly Hemingway, Robert George, Albert Moeller, Brian Wolfmiller, Hans Feeney, and Will Whedon at the 2020 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 12th, and Saturday, June 13th in Chicago. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. The 2020 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, June 12th and 13th at Concordia University, Chicago. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we'll study Jesus washes the disciples' feet, one of you will betray me, a new commandment. Let not your hearts be troubled. And Jesus, the image of the Father. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, as we continue our walk through St. John's Gospel on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Your daily verse-by-verse Bible study on demand at thewordendures.org and on the Lutheran Public Radio app. Luther had Wartburg. We have Collinsville. You're listening to Issues Etc., Concordia University Chicago is committed to keeping college affordable for all, and especially for LCMS Lutherans. We have scholarships available specifically for students who are LCMS members. This is Dr. Russell Dawn, president of Concordia Chicago, asking you to encourage your student to check out Concordia Chicago at cuchicago.edu. And if you are interested in supporting these scholarships, please find us online at Foundation at cuchicago.edu. Did you know that many LCMS military personnel and their families are unable to receive word and sacrament ministry due to the lack of LCMS chaplains? Ministry to the Armed Forces is looking for pastors who will answer the call to serve as a chaplain to provide word and sacrament ministry to the men and women who selflessly serve our nation. Find out more about this exciting ministry by contacting me, Chaplain Craig Mueller, at lcmschaps at lcms.org. That is lcmschaps at lcms.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We'll go through listener email and the Issues Etc. comment line. I simply must get this off my chest about the solo playing bingo night with Pastor Heath Curtis. I think you mentioned this, but I wanted to go to my favorite place, the Prairie Inn in Prairie Town. I drove 15 minutes to the next bar in Warden. Therefore, I was the sojourner, correct? Yes. I was the sojourner. 
In spite of that, I found myself playing Pastor Curtis's bingo card at a place not chosen by me. And round trip was a half hour. So I just, I need to get that off my chest. So, so you, you were like, you, you were expecting some hospitality, in other words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The people were, though, the, the people were warden and were very nice. Deaconess brought up a good point. They were the only they one were, that snubbed you was, was the, was, was the guy you had invited to, to join you. Yes. 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 The people, both, pra- both bars, the Prairie Inn, highly recommended. The next bar, especially bingo night on Tuesdays, apparently. Great people. But I just, I just felt like the sojourner was being neglected. That's all. So you were the stranger in this and the sojourner and you were not given proper hospitality. Correct. Correct. All right. I seriously doubt that Heath is going to try and make this up to you. No. No. He's he's going to say tough. Schwarz, tough. I'm hoping that his better half Rebecca will try to reason with him. Well, if anyone can reason with anybody, <laughs> yes, it's Rebecca. Yes. My money's on Rebecca. Will writes, hi, and thanks for a great program. Enjoyed Pastor Christopher Eskett's interview. One comment was perhaps a little uninformed, though. The reason children are separated from adults when detained while illegally crossing is because so many are not with parents, but with others trafficking them into sex slavery or merely using them to receive asylum easier. When the cartels ask for your child to say no is to die. Some of these kids are used trip after dangerous trip to help non-parental adults cross. It takes time to do DNA tests on so many to ascertain who are actually parents and who are child traffickers. Still a great interview. Thank you, Will, in Battleground, Washington. Well, Will, I think Pastor Eskett's objection still stands because what you're describing there is children being used by people who aren't their parents. And I think what Pastor Eskett said he objected to was the separation of parents, children from their parents, not from people pretending to be their parents or having some of a nefarious purpose for the children. He would certainly approve of separating those children from that situation. But if there are actually parents with their own children crossing the border, they should stay together as a family. I think that was his objection. So I think his objection stands. This comes from Heather. She says, I'm a new listener. Love the program. Our family is new to attending our local Lutheran church. It is a conservative confessional church, which we intentionally looked for as we have spent the last year churchless after being in a Pentecostal church. The past few Sundays, our pastor has begun introducing new songs, those not in the hymnal, from a Bethel music artist, Chris Tomlin. This is a huge stumbling block for me for many reasons. What is in the Lutheran confessions that might bring clarity to me with regard to worship? Does this matter? If this is significant, what resources can I give my pastor to help rein things in? Or if this is acceptable, where do I find reassurance? Thanks for listening, Heather. Well, I think you need to be careful and take this on a case-by-case basis. So Chris Tomlin is basically the Michael W. Smith of the new millennium. He is wildly popular I think he's won 23, what is it, Dove Awards or something that they give to CCM artists. He has sold millions of albums worldwide. His music is uh, almost taken straight from the album into the church service on Sunday morning. He writes very catchy. I think the musical term is hooky. They have hooks, like country music songs have hooks that people kind of like, a little line in there that they like that identifies the song. 
I've looked at a couple of his songs. Some of them are completely innocuous. They do have a tendency to be kind of sappy and subjective. But the reason that the show, that, that they might seem innocuous is because they don't have a ton of theology in them to begin with. He does believe in the Trinity, but he but because his primary vocation is not, well, he is a worship leader, the paycheck's coming from the sale of his music I think what it, what drives a lot of that CCM music is the sellability and not its utility in worship. And sadly, a lot of churches, many churches, perhaps even most churches of the Protestant persuasion in the United States have not even stopped to think, is this a good song because it's popular? Is this a good song because it's actually appropriate for worship theologically? So but I think what you have to do is you have to be very specific. Rather than complaining about Chris Tomlin songs in general, because some of them may be good, some of them may be abysmal, we don't, I don't know, you need to take it on a case-by-case basis and actually look at the lyrics of the song. That's what really matters here. I am not a big fan of the CCM genre. I think that as a genre of music, it is insipid, but that is beside the point. What any objection should be raised is on the basis of the text that people are being asked to sing. And... That's why you have to look at it and say, Pastor, can you sit down with me and can we, this is how I would go about it. I'm leery of CCM music. I'll just be honest with you. I'm leery of it. So will you sit down with me with these two songs that you introduced in the last month and ask me to sing as a worshiper and will you walk me through the theology? And if I can, I'll ask questions and you can give some answers and we'll see whether this theology really matches up with what we believe teaching confess here in this church. But just be brutally honest. And if you find what you believe to be a theological error there, don't let your pastor explain it away. Do, certainly don't let him say, well, you know, we, we sing it for the rest of the song. That part we don't really believe. Everything you believe, teach and confess, ought to be the standard by which these songs are judged. We don't say, well, we're going to sing this hymn, but this part is bad. That's not what we do. Everything in the hymn, the prayer, the song, the sermon, ought to conform to the truth of God's Word without exception. We don't say, well, it's got a catchy tune, so we'll put up with a little bad theology, or 99% of it is good and it only has one bit of bad theology in it. That's not how the worship of God's people ought to be conducted. Everything must submit, even Chris Tomlin, with all of his album sales, to the Word of God. Tomorrow we'll begin a series on the teachings of the Quran and talk with Dr. Adam Francisco about the doctrine of loyalty and enmity. We'll also review the movies Ford vs. Ferrari, The Irishman, and 1917 with Pastor Ted Geese. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Hey, Todd, what have our listeners noticed first when visiting the LPR studios? Definitely the small size... And the dirt. Well, not anymore. Thanks to our friends at the Cleaning Authority. They've turned this man cave into a space that meets even our wives' approval. 
Whether it's our office or your home, the Cleaning Authority is your cleaning service provider in the St. Louis area. To schedule a free estimate or to find out more, visit thecleaningauthority.com. Thecleaningauthority.com. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Listen to chapel services live weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at issuesetc.org. Upon you with favor and give you peace.